today's gospel, we see the calling of four of the disciples to be called apostles that we heard about in yesterday's daily mass yesterday, the naming of the twelve apostles. Well, those first four called, Christ uses this hashtag that we use a lot in our lives, come and I will make you fishers of men. What does it mean to be a fisher of men, to catch men for the gospel? It means that we are called to go out, to spread the good news, to spread the nets far and wide, to preach the truth, and then to catch up in our nets those who have heard the truth into the body of Christ. That by our baptism, each and every one of us are baptized, signed, and sealed as priest, prophet, and king. And as such, God has endowed within each and every one of us the ability to share the good news. But amongst some, just like the disciples that followed him, he chooses and calls some people out of the norm to go and do something different, to live even more counterculturally than the rest of the faithful are called to live. So if you haven't seen where this homily is going, I'm talking about vocations, obviously, tonight. Because one of the biggest struggles that we have in the 21st century not, is not a struggle of faith, is not a struggle of people not believing in God. We have a struggle of vocation. It's not that God has stopped calling men to the cloth, women to serving the church as sisters or nuns. It's that we're distracted a lot in life. That we are so distracted by everything around us. And it was interesting when I was in seminary talking with some of my classmates or some guys that were considering going to seminary, many of them would say, well, I thought about it, but my parents said no. And I thought, Parents wouldn't want their kids to become priests? Huh. I did, don't know what that looks like because my parents were not, not only encouraging, they were pushing me. Go, go, go. This is what you're called to do. You finally found what you're supposed to do. Do it. But then in some families, people don't want their children to become priests. And I said, huh? Why not? Why wouldn't you encourage a vocation? I want grandkids, Father. And if you only have one son, if you only have one child, then that's the only way you're going to get grandkids, right? Is through that one son. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. There are three boys in my family, no grandkids. Two girls in my family, no grandkids. But they got a priest. And in that priest, I have many children. Not the typical type of children, obviously. But technically, I'm your father, even though I am younger than the median age in the room. I understand that. And it was really difficult when I worked at Bishop McGinnis when my dad was there. That's why I go by Father Danny and not Father Grover, because it got really confusing for a lot of people, because my dad, Mr. Grover, became a deacon. So you've got Mr. Grover that's now Deacon Grover. And then his youngest son, Mr. Grover, started working there. And then his son, Father Grover, started working there. So we'd have Father Grover, Deacon Grover, and Mr. Grover. Which one is which? Well, Father Grover is the son of Deacon Grover, who's the dad of Father... No. <laughs> Father Danny, Deacon Grover, 
Mr. Grover. And I say all of that in kind of a, a funny story to say, when was it in our lives that we thought that serving God wasn't good enough in whatever vocation he's calling us to? Because just as we have a crisis of clergy in the sense of not enough priests, we don't have enough good, holy husbands and good, holy wives either. When we talk about vocation, it's not just a vocation to the religious life. Now, I'm not talking to the couples here, of course, but I may be talking to some of the couples here too. That when you date, for those of you who are here with your boyfriends or girlfriends, because some of you are, I'm not pointing you out, don't worry. Your purpose in dating is to find your spouse. To find the person that, can't, that can help you get to heaven, but also that you can help get to heaven. That is your prime role of dating. Find the person that you are called to help to get to heaven. If you're dating for any reason beyond that, don't. I'll never forget my first year as a chaplain at the high school. I got there, and the first two days of school, they had this freshman boot camp. So they'd have the senior girls talk to the freshman boys, and senior girls talk to the freshman girls, and then senior boys talk to the freshman boys, and senior boys talk to the freshman girls. And the last question that one of these blessed children of God, as a ninth grader, asked was, they didn't see me walking in. How can I get with a girl? I walked in. I got this one. That question right there is why your future spouse probably will have trust issues with you. That question right there is why we have such a high divorce rate in America. That question right there is why so many people become depressed when it looks when they look at dating and life. Because when people date, it's not about the unity, it's all about me. It's all about what am I getting out of this? It's all about selfish desires. But when we live our lives, Christ tells us to do what? To be selfless, to be loving, to be generous. Christ says there is no greater love than what? To lay down your life for a friend. That in the bond of marriage, and the two truly become one, that is what you're saying in that sacrament. I love you so much that I take my own selfish desires and lay them by the wayside so that I can help you Get closer to God. It's beautiful, isn't it? But most times you don't hear about that when we talk about marriage. Most times we talk about money, we talk about politics, we talk about in-laws, outlaws, whatever you want to call them. And there's difficult things no matter what your vocation is. And so, yes, encourage young men and women to get married, definitely, but for the right reason. Yes, encourage if you have young people in your family who may be considering giving and sacrificing their lives for the church. Allow them to do so. Foster those vocations. All of you young people in here tonight, 
All of you men, if you have not at one point in your life asked yourself the question, am I called to be a priest? I'm asking you that question tonight. Because when I was in your shoes, I thought, <laughs> not going to happen. Obviously, I didn't know what I was talking about. But I had this heart of service. I've talked a lot about how I had this kind of one foot in, one foot out in seminary because I wanted to have a family and I wanted to have kids and I, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted, and then I realized it's not about what I want, but it's about how I can be the hands and feet of Christ. Because if it was about what I want and I went and got married, I would have made a horrible husband. And if it's about what I want as a pastor, I'm going to make a horrible pastor. I learned that going through seminary, that it's not about me, but when the two become one, they together, or as we'd say in Oklahoma, y'all are one. And it's the same way with a priest in the congregation. I realized this when I moved here almost two years ago already. Can you believe that? And I realized that when a new pastor comes to a new congregation, it's like going on your first date with your girlfriend because you have the history of the parish and you have the history of the priest. But we skip the whole courting ritual and say, we are now married, you're stuck with me, I'm stuck with you. Well, two years into being married, I think we're doing okay. We've had some rough patches and we've spent a lot of money on heat and air and lights and electricity, but I think we're doing okay. Bills are being paid. But what can we do more of? How can we embrace God's will more today? So I'm speaking right now to the young people. If you, or even the old people, older people, if you are not married in the sacrament of marriage, if you aren't married in the sacrament of marriage, we can talk about that anyways. Come talk to me. We can work on that. But if you are not currently married, have you considered how God may be speaking to your heart? It could be that he's calling you to the vocation of marriage. That's very possible, and that's awesome. Those are great things. I wouldn't be here without it. But also, he could be calling you to a religious life. Young women, if it weren't for you ladies and the ladies that came before you that gave up their lives and taught and taught and taught, we wouldn't have schools as we do today. We wouldn't have hospitals as we do today. We wouldn't have many of the services, industries as we do today. Because of selfless women setting aside their own wants and desires for the love of God. And young men, now I'm talking to you. Our last vocation from this parish to go all the way through, and sometimes when guys go to seminary, they aren't at that moment potentially called to the priesthood, so they discern in and discern out, just like when you go on a date. You're not going to date the first person that you're going to marry for most of you. You kind of figure out who you're called to be married to, and sometimes that's how we go to seminary. And so when Jacob was in seminary, it was a, not right now. This isn't where I'm called at this moment. Could be a thing in the future, may not be. But we pray for his vocation. But also, 
in Father Simeon. He thought, I am called to be a diocesan priest. I'm going to be Father Zach Spitz. And the Lord led him to a community at St. Greg's, to being not Father Zach Spitz, but dying to his old self so much so that he took upon himself a new name, a Father Simeon Spitz. Kept the last name for the grandparents. They can be happy. Name continues. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But who else out there is God possibly calling to devote their lives in a specific and particular way to the church? In fact, this last week I've had meetings with two different groups of priests, and I said one of the struggles that we have, I think, in our diocese is between January and Easter every year for every priest. It's that uncertain time. In fact, when you get that phone call from the bishop, you're like, do I want to answer this or not? Because that's when he normally calls us to tell us we're moving. I'm not moving. Preface it that way. I'm not moving. (laughs) That I know of. But that's part of, I think, in our diocese, why our numbers are so down. I would love to be here for a decade. That is my goal. Minimally till 2030. God may have different plans. Archbishop may have different plans. That's my plan. My plans never work out. Just letting you know. Because the kids that are just now getting First Communion this week, or this year, the kids that are being confirmed next weekend, if I'm only with you for two years, three years, four years, it's hard for you to see the stability of the priesthood, the joy of the priesthood, I'm an anxious person, if you haven't noticed. I was actually challenged in the office yesterday and said, Father, talk a little bit more about how it's joyful being a priest. It's like, do I not show it? Eh." It's like, oh, (laughs) I try. I'm sorry. But just like any other vocation, sometimes there are those things that are taxing. You got to worry about the bills. They taught us how to be priests in seminary. They did not teach us to be pastors. They did not teach us to be CEOs, but I'm a CEO of two parishes. Praise God for our finance and and parish councils at both parishes. Thank you for those of you who are here tonight. You guys keep me going. I know I don't say that enough to you guys or say that enough out loud. Parish council and finance council and women's guild and food bank and Knights of Columbus and senior citizens group and every other group that we have, thank you. Without you, I can't do anything. But all of this to say, how is God calling you in your vocation, whatever that vocation may be? Parents, that may be giving your sons or your daughters to the Lord. Not because you want to get rid of them. You know who you are. Because God can use them. Because God can have his word work through them. But also in yourselves, in your own vocation, how are you allowing yourself to be utilized by God? One of the administrative tasks that I have to do every year is all of the tax letters that go out, I hand sign every one of those. So if you're on the front of it, it's a nice 
beautiful signature, Reverend Daniel Grover. If it's at the end, I apologize. I promise that's my signature. But once you get to about 350 of them, it's like, oh my gosh, my hand is going to break off. I can't do this. But one of the things that I notice in that is we have many hands here to help make light work. But we also have many people that just show up. And I understand that. I've been that in my own past as a priest. Not as a priest, before I was a priest. My own past as a Catholic, sometimes I just came to Mass. Went through the motions, mouthed the words. But one of the things I was reminded of in the last two weeks since Pope Benedict's death, in listening to his biography, is that the whole purpose behind the Second Vatican Council was for us to be active and conscious participants in the liturgy and in life. How many people get distracted during Mass? Be honest. Be honest. Notice my hands raised too. Because sometimes I get distracted during Mass. Because you guys have the blessing of seeing this. There are 135 of you guys making the weirdest faces you will never see. Yes, I see when you pick your noses. Yes, I see when you nod off. Yes, I see when you're trying to wake up your neighbor next to you. Yes, I see when the kids are playing video games or eating snacks. I see it all. But it's hard sometimes then to focus. So sometimes during Mass, like during the Gloria earlier, I close my eyes. During the Our Father, I close my eyes. During different types of ma- times of Mass, during the Creed, I typically close my eyes. Part of it is to remember the words because you have them in front of you and I don't. <laughs> Part of them is to help me focus because we get so distracted in life. And if you get nothing else out of this homily tonight, nothing else out of this weekend's liturgy, I want you to hear this. God loves you. That's it. God loves you. God wants you to be loved. Because he wants you to be loved, he wants you to share that love. And the love that God offers to us is not selfish, but is selfless. So by definition, because God loves you, he's calling us to share it. How is God calling you to share it today?